Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the NHL All-Star break. Yes, indeed. And I think for Edmonton Oilers fans, it could not have come fast enough. And also the bye week is uh, on the back half of the, uh, or after the All-Star break. So, 10 days off for the Oilers, which started yesterday. Of course, big news yesterday. We uh, touched on it all day yesterday. The firing of Peter Shirelli after uh, pretty much three and a half seasons as the team's general manager. Did a great job yesterday. Uh, Reed Wilkins, uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, lot of airtime. And you had a lot of airtime yesterday, too, uh, on the show. Uh, really enjoyed the, uh, all right, call up. And lay out your plan in a minute for you to be the GM of the Oilers. So that was very entertaining. But uh, tonight, we got no games. Nothing. Nothing. But you got me. You got Kellen Kennedy. It's all good. Reed Wilkins is off for a week. I got five shows here in the big chair. Looking forward to it, Kellen. Oh, it's going to be a blast to have you in the chair for, you know, kind of an annual tradition. The All-Star break, you come in and host some shows. Yeah. I know in the past we've had, uh, you know, a, a colleague of ours, Brendan Ulrich, come in in the past and do an outstanding job during this time as well. And uh, But it's always great to have you on board because... Uh, you are the CFL guy, and I bow to you. <laughs> we're going to talk, talk a lot of CFL tonight uh, we, after 7 o'clock. We so. have to make sense of this lockout, possible lockout, CBA thing, because this is this could be potentially disastrous for the league if it goes through. Uh, yeah, and uh, I think we're in the uh, game of chicken right now between the two sides in some respects. I mean, both sides are not planning on talking at this point. I'm sure they talk but there's nothing formal. Um, I mean, they're always talking. But uh, we'll get into that a little bit uh, later in the show. But, yeah, it's a bit concerning and it's a bit aggravating, to be honest with you, why the two sides won't talk. Uh, looking forward to speaking with Natea Jay. Last time we talked to Natea, it was Grey Cup Sunday when the Calgary Stampeders beat the Ottawa Red Blacks. And Natea uh, signs a two-year contract extension, taking him through the 2020 season. So another receiver added to a right now very thin core of receivers let's face it the team itself is pretty thin right now a lot of pending free agents a lot of uncertainty but uh, I can assure you by the time training camp comes around they will have a team we don't know the quality yet free agency is on February 12th so that will be uh, that'll be I think a bit of a 
you know, kind of revealing a little bit more about this team, and the Eskimos still have time, like other teams in the CFL, to sign their own free agents, and the Eskimos are starting to take some names off of their own list. So uh, now it's four, and so that's better. <laughs> but there's a lot of work to do, and let's face it, they're not going to not gonna sign all of them. But, uh, yes, it is the all-star break. It's funny, you know, a guy like myself in this position, um, you know, where I'm the producer of the show, so I'm around all the time, but I don't get to host the show until all-star breaks or things like that. So, you know, you're like, okay, not much is going on right now. So This and that, I've, I've, I talk about this every year, but this and that time during the middle of the season, or sorry, middle of, of, of the year, I should say, in July, when the baseball all-star break happens. Yes. Yeah. And we have just a week of nothing. Yep. Are the two worst weeks <laughs> for sports nuts like myself, yeah. like you, mm-hmm. like probably a lot of everybody listening tonight across the country around the world. I mean, there are four NBA games tonight, but let's face it, the NBA doesn't really get a lot of people. No. Mo- people's motors running. No, no. At this point. So, or, especially around these parts. I mean, the Raptors are having a great season. Uh, Kawhi Leonard got named a uh, an, uh, an Eastern Conference All-Star starter. If he plays, maybe he'll be sat up oh, for rest. Um, <laughs> he's missed four straight games because of rest. So it's possible. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is always an interesting time of the year. I mean, I, I was kind of happy last year when, even though I missed the Olympics with NHL players, um, I, I was kind of okay with the NHL, you know, not shutting down for three weeks. I was okay with that. I'll tell you, filling in for, and I've done it several times, there are several Olympics of filling in for a couple of weeks there. Yeah. When, you know, the whoever was, the, you know, handling the hockey stuff would go away and then I'd be like, Dave, you get in there. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right, then. What are we going to talk about? You know, <laughs> there's always that. But I, I love the Vancouver experience. 2010, we had so many Canadian medalists break when I was on the air. And back then, we had an evening show. We were 8 to 11. Yeah, yeah. So that that was a lot of fun. But Greatest uh, Olympics in my generations. Uh, like, I'm 33, and I'll be 34 in September. Yeah. But I've, that's, in my opinion, the greatest Olympic Games ever. Yeah. that I've seen from start to finish. Yeah, that'd be hard to argue. Yeah. So as much as I'm kind of complaining, half complaining that there's not, not much going on, I mean, Reed can say the same thing when I take off during Eskimo bye weeks during the summer, you know. So it happens. Hey, Christmas time happens. You know, not much goes on there. But we keep going, and we, we give you still good stuff. So that's what we're going to do for the next five days here with me in the chair. We're still going to endeavor to give you good stuff, and we will give you good stuff. So there you go. So it is the All-Star break. Uh, the uh, What's happening tonight is in San Jose, they're having the, the media night or the media day. I guess it's media night. So all the All-Stars get a chance to, uh, or all the media get a chance to talk to all the All-Stars. And uh, what's interesting is that this is going to be the first opportunity that we're going to hear from Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in regards to the news yesterday with Peter Shirelli being let go as general manager of the Oilers. So it'll be interesting to hear what they have to say. Uh, two players that are, huh, tell you, there's a lot of burden on those two, especially Connor McDavid, but there is a burden on Leon Dreisaitl as well. There's a lot expected of them. This is a roster that is uh, not, not very good beyond a couple, three players. It's not, uh, it's not, uh, it's not filled with depth. And yet, 
in the Western Conference playoff race for wildcard spots, which we affectionately call the Turtle Derby, because nobody wants it, it seems like. Or maybe it should be affectionately called, I don't want it, you take it. No, I don't want it, you, you, you take it. No, I don't want it, you take it. It was referred to online as the Pacific Division Tire Fire for <laughs> a lot of the year this year, so that's what I'm going with. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. So here are the Oilers' situation. They're, they're in... Uh, they're in seventh spot in the wild card chase. So they have 49 points. But here's the problem. So that's only three points back of the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars, who are tied with 52 points and both have wild card spots. But the Oilers are behind the St. Louis Blues, the Arizona Coyotes, the Anaheim Ducks, the Vancouver Canucks. They have to climb over. Four, five, six teams, and that's that's the difficulty right now. So perhaps this break will help. And you can text in at 630-630. You know, and I know the optimism isn't going to be high that this team, even though they're three points out, you have a lot of teams to climb over. And let's see here. You have... Vancouver, Anaheim, Arizona. They are Pacific Division rivals. And they are going to get points in their games. Which means you got to get points in your games, but it's hard because they're going to start playing each other too. But can it be done? Hey, they got a chance. And you got Connor McDavid, and you have Leon Dreisaitl, and you have Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but you need better goaltending. Oscar Clefbaum is going to help immensely. And that means everyone else's minutes, as Rob Brown so excellently pointed out yesterday. Darnell Nurse been playing well, but can he play 28 minutes a night consistently at this point of his career? Probably not. So, in the Turtle Derby, any you know, <laughs> it's up for grabs still. Nobody really wants it. It is a mediocre conference when you get past the Vegas Golden Knights. When you get past, I mean, even the Minnesota Wild, they're they're third in the conference right now. But their record, 26-21-3, they have 55 points. So they're teetering as well. I mean, they, they go through a little bit of a rough stretch. They're back in that kind of that mediocre pack. So, you know, I don't know. What will a GM change do at this point? Probably not much. You know, will they be in a position to be buyers at the deadline? Well, hey, if they, they remain three points out by the deadline, if they're within, you know, if they're, they're in three to five points back, if they're, you know, two points back, one point back, if they're right there, obviously they become buyers. But then the question is, what asset are they able to dangle minus the first round draft pick? Because that's off the table, according to Bob Nicholson, the vice chair of Oilers Entertainment Group. And I totally agree with that because you don't know what that pick is going to be and and you don't want to be in a position where you're paying a, a heck of a price for an asset that isn't worthy of a first-round pick. And you don't really want to be the first team that sets that price in that bar. You want someone else to do it. But this is a team that's capped, and it's going to be very difficult. And, you know, that game on Tuesday was a frustrating outing because, okay, here you go. You got Calgary on the weekend. You got Calgary on Saturday. They're the best team in the Western Conference. You lose 5-2. The disappointing part is that 
they hung with them pretty good in the first period. Then they had a terrible 30 minutes. Then the last 10, they kind of raised their game a little bit more, but then it's just not enough. Then Carolina happens, Detroit happens. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. You know, when I think about two years ago when this team went on a that pretty good playoff run, you know, what happened that year? Pat Maroon had 27 goals. Milan Lucic had 23 goals. Jordan Eberle was on that team, and he had a pretty rough playoff. He had 20 goals. Mark Letestu, probably the best year of his career that season. Letestu was great. Absolutely. A defense core that kind of had the Vegas Golden Knights model. Not flashy, but effective. But Sekera was yep. probably our ace that season, I would say. Clefbaum not too far behind. Yeah, exactly. And Clefbaum had 12 goals, uh, 30 points that year. Can he get 12 goals again in his career? Well, not if he doesn't stay healthy. Larson was A-OK, too. If Larson I was good. Uh, Russell was good. Um, they had timely scoring. And I'll tell you what. That was not a team blessed with offense. They had a lot of timely goals. Connor McDavid played, you know, he kind of had a rough playoff. It was, you know, it was, uh, you know, his first playoff. He was only 20 years old. And there were definitely tactics used by other players, and some of them very questionable. But they found ways to slow him down. But, man, he scored some timely goals. The whole team did. But I'll tell you one thing. There are two things that I see with this team that they're not doing compared, that's not happening compared to that team two years ago. One, the team two years ago checked and checked and checked and checked. So if you have trouble scoring, what can you do? And Ken Hitchcock has talked about this. We need to improve our play in our own end. And it starts with the goaltender out. And right now they're not getting the goaltending, whether it's Cam Talbot or Miko Koskinen. They're not getting it on a consistent basis. Miko Koskinen, example, made some pretty good saves in that hockey game against Detroit Red Wings. And then he, you know, the first goal was not good. He's cheating because he's thinking Larkin's going to pass and Larkin fools him. And then the third goal from Anthony Sioux, um, I believe it was Anthony Sioux, um, walks around Brandon Manning and then we know what happened. Just Koskinen, little gap. There you go. It was Glenn Denning. Oh, Glenn Denning, that's Glenn right. Glenn Denning got two on us that That's night, right, that's right, that's which right. Which is his only multi-point game of the year, I believe. That's right. So, But this is a team that doesn't check. This is a team that is not hard enough to play against. And they were two years ago. The other factor, and this is the most important factor, belief. This is a team that doesn't believe. And when they play, you can tell. They have the urgency in their game when they need to. When it was 3-1, they stepped it up. They stepped it up, especially that top line. You know, I was in the building, and you could feel the urgency from that line. And they had a rough night that night. But time and again, I mean, and Ken Hitchcock's right. You, you defend that one line, and they have you. But you can do other things. If you're, if you're having trouble scoring, you can check. You can play hard. You can be difficult to play against, and they're just not. Now, can a 10-day break kind of... Solve some things? I don't know. I mean, it's not going to make their roster better, but it could give them a fresher perspective, which is, I think, pretty important. But then when they play that first game, yeah, it's not going to be pretty because they've been off for 10 days in Philadelphia. What you want to see is that the fact they just play a good, solid 
10 minutes, good solid first period, maybe survive it and then come out of it and play the rest of the way with some confidence, with some, you know, with some jam, with some belief. But that team believed two years ago they don't believe like at, like they did two years ago. And you can tell something bad happens and they're gone. And like it's, it's tough to see. So does it change? Does it change drastically? I don't think it changes drastically, but I think the one thing you can do is play well in your own end, play well against the opposition by making it harder on them. And they have to play playoff hockey now for the rest of the way. They just have to. And how do you play playoff hockey? You make every inch of ice contested. That's hard to do. That's hard to do when you have, what, 30, 35, 38 games left, whatever it is. That's not easy. But this team has to believe that they can do it. In a 10-day break, you can come back re-energized, you come back fresher, and hopefully this team is ready to go and makes the trade deadline on February 25th a very interesting day in, in and around that point. It is uh, 622. You can text in at 630-630. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When we come back uh, from the the uh, bottom hour news, we'll be joined by uh, Gord Stellick. But right now, like I said, 622, we'll be back with more in a moment. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Hoppy checked near center by Robitaille. He got it to Gretzky to Curry. He's in alone. Shoots, scores! I remember that very well. And, uh, you know, we were all stung by the Gretzky trade back then. And that's uh, that's 30 years ago. My goodness. February 7th, 1989 at the Northlands Coliseum in Edmonton. Uh, the Campbell Conference beat the Wales Conference 9-5. Dave. And it's the last time that uh, Oiler fans got to see Gretzky to Curry and could cheer for it. So, in that building especially. Rob Brown, our very own Rob Brown, was in that game as well as a representative for the Wales Conference. I might have some audio from him from that game oh. that we might play a little later on if we've got well, some time. You, you should dig that out for sure. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, Edmonton Oil Kings in action tomorrow. They're at home to the Moose Jaw Warriors. Oil Kings uh, having a pretty, pretty good season. Uh, so, we'll uh, discuss that a little bit more tomorrow night. News is next from the 6.30 Chet 24-hour news center. Come back. Uh, Gord Stelek from the NHL on Rogers will join us. Had an entertaining tweet. I'm going to read that to you, and then we'll uh, have the discussion with Gord about, well, Peter Shirelli's firing. Youth is being served around the National Hockey League. And uh, speaking of youth, what are the Leafs going to do with Austin Matthews? They're trying to extend his contract. And Mitch Marner as well. That and more coming up.
This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. 634, welcome back to the program. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. And for the next five shows, Reed will be back a week tonight. I believe that'll be the day before the uh, the uh, bye week ends, and the Oilers, uh, I believe they only get one day. I think the teams get one day before they got to jump back into uh, action. The Oilers don't play until February the 2nd in Philadelphia when uh, they will resume their uh, playoff chase in the uh, what's called the Turtle Derby. We're dubbing it the Turtle Derby. There you go. <laughs> oh, uh, West End Ron says, you can text in at 630-630. Actually, the last Gretzky to Curry pass was on Curry's retirement night at Northlands as Curry ripped the pass from Gretzky top shelf and left the ice out into the fog. That's true. That's right. I'm I'm correct. I stand corrected. I remember that ceremony. Yeah. So, the uh, Oilers... They do those retirement ceremonies right. And hopefully their play on the ice will improve. Our next guest uh, had an amusing tweet uh, yesterday uh, when the uh, Peter Shirelli firing went down. He said, firing Peter Shirelli is not unexpected, but who was the last general manager fired in the emotional aftermath immediately after a tough loss? I believe the last coach fired in this fashion was Gerard Gallant, searching for a taxi in Carolina after being dismissed by the Florida Panthers. And that individual is an analyst for the NHL on Rogers, and he joins us now. It's Gord Stella. Gord, how you doing? I'm good, Dave. How are you? <laughs> I'm really good. Uh, you know, the difference here is that Gallant was fired after the game. Peter Shirelli was told after the second period, Peter, uh, you need to leave. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, and and you know, and my my point was, I've been fired. Okay, yeah. I've been fired the right way, and what I considered not the right way. And my my only point was. Uh, could it not have waited till the next day, or could it not have been done the morning? W- whatever. That's all I'm just saying. It's yeah. uh, it's uh, it's the perception about the the anger of a particular game and and doing it at that moment. So anyway, uh, certainly like anybody else in the hockey world, n- not surprised, and and you can say long overdue uh, in a lot of people's assessment, and uh, and that was the point of my tweet. And you know, uh, and, and and like I say, a very amusing tweet. Um, what happened to Peter Shirelli is not amusing. What's happening to the Edmonton Oilers since, you know, let, let's go back to even two years ago when this team was a playoff team, was one win away from going to the Western Conference Final and competing for a chance to uh, to, to go to the Stanley Cup Final. Um, and last year was dreadful. This year, at least, they're they're within striking distance of a playoff spot. But the problem is they got so many teams in front of them. But I don't know how we got here. I mean, I guess you could say, look at their cap situation. That's not good. Look at the trades that Peter Shirelli has made. But still, when you look at what this team was to two years ago, to what this team is now, um, from your perspective, uh, what the heck happened? Well, I've been proven wrong as well because I, I really felt the Oilers a couple of years ago had genuinely turned the corner. And uh, I, I think, you know, first of all, Goaltending cures all ills, and I'm just speaking in the big picture. You see that, and I think not having great goaltending year in, year out. You, you saw the Winnipeg Jets one year not make the playoffs, and then Connor Hellebuck get his act together, and the Winnipeg make that next step to being a real dominant Western Conference team. So, you know, I, I think that's a part of it. And, and you know, the other part I was, I was thinking about it, Dave, was that I don't know, but almost the blessing – that was Connor McDavid, maybe, you know, hearing what Bob Nicholson has to say now that, hey, we have to get back to 
the game plan. We have to get back to procuring young talent. We have to get back to developing young talent the right way and giving them time in Bakersfield and not rushing them. And I, and I wonder if the uh, fortuitous uh, lottery pick of getting Connor McDavid, I don't know if everyone got sped up a little bit and then having that playoff success that the perception was you were somewhere that you're not really yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs are kind of facing that as well, that there's these heightened expectations. But to become a serious team like the Penguins and Capitals and, and like the Blackhawks were and whatever, to year in, year out, be battling for Stanley Cup, I mean, that's a whole different level. Is that basically just saying, Gord, look, you had one great year, you had one great playoff run. That doesn't mean everything is turned around. There's still work to be done. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so many teams, you know, Dave, have that, that it's almost, it's almost a bit of a curse. When I mean, you look at Philadelphia and New Jersey, they both made the playoffs last year, and now they take a step backward. And, you know, if, if you're doing it right, the best thing is to do the incremental steps and be there and stay there. Don't take the, the somewhat quantum leap to have a quantum downfall the next year because you're no further ahead and you're just even more disappointed. We're joined by uh, Gord Stellick, uh, analyst for the NHL on Rogers here on 630 Chat Inside Sports. You know, a, a common uh, a common comment that, I, that I've been hearing f- over the last few days about the lead-up to, to Peter Shirelli's firing, even on the day, even today, is that this is a competent general manager. At one point, did a good job of building a, a Stanley Cup winner with the Boston Bruins in 2011, getting that team back to, in a lockout short year, mind you, in 2013, and losing uh, in Game 7 to the Chicago Blackhawks. But yet he was on the wrong side of almost every deal he made, and especially every deal he made in the last couple of seasons. Um, is that, to you, uh, someone that obviously knows the game and, and knows a lot of GMs, um, is it surprising to you that just things went so badly with, with Peter Shirelli in, in the moves he tried to make? Well, I mean, it is and it isn't, but I, I agree. Like, you know, first of all, when Bob Nicholson came in, you know, he went out and hired two really well-thought-of people in Peter Shirelli and Todd McClellan, you know, guys with a track record, guys with experience somewhere else, not in-house type hires, and, and, and both real solid hires. But at the end of the day, it comes down to your record, and rather than dissecting it, you know, all the things, because, you know, you're, you know, you're stating kind of the obvious about what didn't work out. It's kind of like, you know, a guy can be a great, you, you, you can be a great financial planner, and all my friends can rave about you. And three years ago, you handled my investments, and I'm taking a kick in the butt. Yeah. Well, what good does it do for me, right? And you can still be a great financial planner. But for me, it didn't happen, so i got to move on. And that's, yeah. what happens, that's what happens in hockey. And I think as well, and, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Peter Shirelli here, but when he came in as general manager of the Oilers in that first year uh, with Connor McDavid and he got hurt, and, but it was still sort of a big man's game. And he, he built a big, heavy team. And this was a big, heavy team that could compete in the playoffs, and they did two years ago. And it almost seemed like Gord last year, especially this year, everything changed. Now you need speed. Yeah. Look, well, look at the California teams. That's what used to happen. You went to the three cities in California, and it was Western Conference hockey, and it was heavy, and it was big boys hockey or big girls hockey, whatever you want to call it in 2019 anyway. But, but the point being was it extracted a toll, and that was the way you were going to win a Stanley Cup, and that's what Eastern Conference teams time to emulate. And you're so bang on because all of a sudden in the last couple of years, you go to California, you've only got one of the three that matter anymore, that compete anymore, mm-hmm. and it, it's all different. And in Edmonton, 
from everyone thought, wow, this team is a fast team. They kick ass to Connor McDavid's a really fast player. The other guys maybe aren't as fast as we thought they were, mm-hmm. right? So, I, I, But I think you're right. It's funny. Things happen rather quickly. But that's all of a sudden what the league has evolved to. That heavy, very successful Western Conference style hasn't been the one that's cut it the last couple of years. You know, when, when you look at who's going to come in here and, 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 and take that GM job, and, you know, maybe, maybe it, it will be Keith Gretzky at the end of the day, I don't know. But I'm sure there's going to be lots of viable candidates that, that take on this job. But when you look at this team's, you know, the, the situation with the cap and what they have on the roster, how, how big of a task is this going to be for anyone that takes this job to try and, and make this team, you know, mold it into what it, needs to be in you know into a contender with all these contracts that are kind of weighing them down well the good part is uh, you know when you take over a job like this is because things have gone awry so it's not like todd reardon taking over a stanley cup contender in washington as or stanley cup champion as coach or kyle dubas having to follow lou lamorella when things are going pretty good in toronto so you know that you know that's one step and 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 the other uh, the, the big part is you got to get more out of the 23 guys that are there now and the 23 guys it's incumbent upon them to get more out of the 23 guys that are there now. Otherwise, about 15 of them won't be in the league in about a year or two. I mean, that's what happens. You look, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs a couple of years ago, uh, P.A. Parento was their only guy who got 20 goals in a season. Right. You know, and now you see how it's all changed, and those guys that were playing out the string are, are, are long out of the NHL as, as, as the Leafs retooled what looks you know, a little more successfully overall so far than, say, the Oilers have. And, and, the, and the next part is, if what Bob Nicholson said is, okay, they're, they're, I don't know if there's a willingness of how patient the Oilers fans can be. They certainly have been patient. I, I think if you, believe, you know, if you believe in the right guy that he's going to do it, and you've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, I mean, this, this isn't like Jim Light's tearing a strip out of his top two players in Sagan and Ben. Right. I mean, you've got two phenomenal players. I think a lot of people forget how great a player Dreisaitl is mm-hmm. just because of the Oiler woes this season. So all of a sudden, if you get things in place and it gets better, then the marginal players get a bit better because it's a better system. There's better talent there. But I, I, you know, I, I think if you're going to get, it sounds like you've got to get whether it's, it's Keith Gretzky, that keeps a job, or to me, a Mark Hunter or Kelly McCrimmon are the two guys out there. You've got to get the master guys at drafting, and all of a sudden, the Maple Leafs, who had not got a guy, had not got, hadn't had first round picks, had no one beyond the first round for years. I mean, Nazem Kadri, who was a first round pick, was like the only guy coming up for the Marlies. It's not just Matthews and Marner; it's Andreas Janssen, it's other guys like that, Connor Brown, Zach Hyman, you know, coming up and coming from within and in, in cap friendly. Con- contracts and all that that is, is is what the Oilers have to be able to do yeah absolutely so we're joined by Gort, uh, Gort Stelic analyst for the NHL on Rogers here on 630 Chet Inside Sports and uh, you know we talk about you know Connor McDavid's only 22 and he's one of six players that are you know in, in the top six NHL scorers that are 25 and uh, and under and I'm sure Austin Matthews might be in that conversation too if he stayed healthy all season um and now there's talk about there i've been fascinated by the talk about and and all the discussion about the extension for austin matthews and what that will look like and um at this point is this becoming a bit of an issue or are we just early in the process here and and uh you know and is is this just you know and i think about 
okay, could a team offer sheet him if he's not signed by July the 1st? But anyway, tell me what the temperature is in Toronto about a possible, or not a possible extension, but the the uh, the efforts to get this guy signed long-term to like a Connor McDavid-type deal. Oh, this is a problem. This is a problem, Dave, and, that, and that's something the others, uh, I thought, did well with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, they got those guys set. Some can argue the Leon Dreisaitl money was more than uh, other teams thought they should have paid because it's used as a comparable against them. But the, but, you know, but the one thing about Dreisaitl, he's played really well. It's not like a Bobby Ryan-type contract, for example. So, you know, my take on what's happened in Toronto is, I mean, first of all, Lou Amarello – out as general manager, I never thought would happen this year. It made no sense, no sense at all why it had to happen. Why couldn't he not have stayed on board another year and Kyle Dubas could have apprenticed? Well, I know the reason is because Kyle Dubas, there was an opportunity in Colorado a couple of years ago. The Leafs blocked it, so promises were made, and promises were made to the Avalanche organization and also to the Leafs, to Dubas, that his time would come, that his move was being blocked because he was going to get that general manager's job sooner rather than later. So that's why Brendan Shanahan made the move when it really wasn't the optimal time to do it. So Kyle Dubas uh, inherits, uh, well, first of all, you know, this team wins the Calder Cup in the American League. The John Tavares situation, he spearheads, so you can't criticize him on that front. But I right. think after the Tavares thing, he kind of needed to regroup a bit, you know, didn't, didn't, you know, and then, then said, or said on July 1st, I'm confident we can keep those guys, Nylander, Matthews, Marner. He should have hit then when the iron was hot. A Matthews deal, the euphoria, the energy could have been done then. Not so sure about a Marner deal, though Nick Kiprio says for $9 million it could have been done. Well, he's going to cost you probably more than that now. And if you get them done, then maybe a Nylander contract could follow suit. Because instead, Nylander was kind of a standalone, and you're doing an ass backwards, right? You're doing your number three guy before your two and one guy. So it's a real distraction. It's a real distraction. And now Kapanen played well in Nylander's absence, so he's going to get more money. So you got, now compared to July 1st, where Dubas thought he could fit them all in, you probably got Nylander about a million or so, more than you thought. You're going to, Matthews and Marner, it's going to cost you more than if you signed them in July. And Kapanen's going to cost you more now because he's played so well taking Nylander's spot. Yeah, it's fascinating. That's something to watch uh, for sure. And, of course, the Oilers situation is something to watch as well. But, uh, Gord, thank you so much for spending some time uh, with us tonight. And uh, all the best to you. We'll have you on again soon, okay? Sounds good. Thanks very much, Dave. All right. That's Gord Stellick from the NHL on Rogers uh, talking about the Oilers situation and uh, a very fascinating situation with the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs as well. When they signed Willie Nylander to that contract, you just knew, oh, boy. They have just made their task ten times harder with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Something has to give for sure. So that will be something to watch. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 630 Chad. Inside Sports. Brought to you by the Furnace family, your 24-7 furnace repair and replacement specialist. Call 7804-FAMILY or FurnaceFamily.com. Before uh, we headed off to news, we've got some time for some calls. Ron is first. Hey, Ron. Hey, Dave. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing not too bad. So I just wanted to bring up a quick point that not many people have been talking about. Sure. Um, the farm team, uh, I thank you for the gentleman that answers the phone. I forget his name. Kellen. Kellen, that's right. Kellen Kennedy. Good guy. Yeah, he is. Um, 
So he just informed me about the numbers for the Condors. They moved in there for the 15-16 season. And as far as I can recollect, it seems like the farm teams always seems to move every three to five years. The coaching uh, staff changes in that period, too. There's no stability whatsoever in the farm systems that they've got. And then coffee comes on next, uh, last year here. And so everything's always moving. There is no stability of a consistency of learning. And I think that's a part of the reason why our defense doesn't have that strong, I don't know, like, well, they're just not good. What do you, what do you have to say about that, Dave? Well, uh, you know, I think the when you have instability within the organization with the big club, that, that filters down to your American Hockey League uh, team as well. And the one thing that they have to do better is draft better. And I think they have been drafting better over the last uh, couple of seasons. You know, Tyler Benson is now healthy, um, yeah. and, and he's producing now. Uh, we saw Gambardella, for example. Uh, Marodi Marodi was a signing, and a trade and a signing. Um, yeah. You know, we saw Ethan Bear last year. We saw Caleb Jones this year. There's some other uh, pieces coming at some point. Uh, and, but the thing is, is they're not going to be ready for two to three seasons. Um, yeah. and, and when you heard Bob Nicholson say yesterday is we got to stop rushing young players, but yeah, I think stability on the farm is definitely, uh, something that has to change. And Ron, I, I appreciate the, the call very much. Jack is up next. Hey, Jack. Hi, uh, Dave. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, I was actually just at a kind of a crazy thought, uh, um, one thing I don't think anybody's really talked about, and uh, it's kind of a general issue, not just the Oilers, but it's the uh, the salary cap. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm just quoting of something I'm reading here, and the salary cap is not just the NHL, uh, but it says here, each league's salary cap has nuances and differences mm-hmm. that only a lawyer could love. Now, when you get a situation of uh, a general manager... And, uh, well, I guess in Edmonton's case, we sign a Connor McDavid, then we sign a Leard Dreisaitl, and then all of a sudden you go, holy shit, I'm out of cap uh, okay. room. And, uh, um, yeah, watch the line with Jack. Sorry. Um, but you know what I mean? Uh, you, you, uh, well, I don't know, they probably, but I mean, um, the general manager would have to really understand that cap thing. Yeah. Because before the guy even signs, you don't know if he's going to, like Koskinen, and you didn't know if he was going to work out, and then all of a sudden he works out, and so you burn up some more cap room. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think I understand what you're saying, Jack. Yeah, it's, I mean, here's the thing. You, and we got to go to news here quickly, but you identify who your top players are. It's it's McDavid. No one goes above McDavid. It's Dreisaitl. No one goes above Dreisaitl. And then the problems come in after that because you got a $6 million player in Lucic. you got a $4 million player in Russell who's valuable. Then you got a $4.5 million player in Koskinen. And they got 3.1 in Spooner and, and things like that. But, yes, um, you know what? Other teams have done it. We've seen the Chicago Blackhawks now. They're kind of paying for it now. But for years they said, this is our core, and then we're going to build from there. Or the Pittsburgh Penguins. You got Crosby, you got Malkin, and then we're building from there. Latang. Marc-Andre Fleury when he was there. There you go. Anyway, we've got to go off to the news. Lots of CFL talk in the next hour. Looking forward to having Natea J on uh, next on 630 Chad Inside Sports. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.